Everybody, welcome to the debut episode of Klaus to the Heart Live on ONTV. I'm Jason Klaus. We thank you so much for tuning in and watching this brand new endeavor for us. Uh, we're going to do something totally different. If, if you've watched my show on YouTube or you went to the stage show a couple of weeks ago in Frankenmuth, this is something totally different. We're doing more of a talk show type of format here and uh, what you know essentially what we're doing is is we want to shed some much needed spotlight on the positivity that is in our world that a, a lot of times is often overlooked. I have two very special guests here today on on the debut episode and two people who I have um, a great deal of admiration and respect for. Both of them have incredible stories, to, just amazing stories. And with this debut episode, they were the first two guys that I thought of and they were the first two that I contacted. And starting today, uh, my first guest here on the debut episode is a very good friend of mine, a, a local uh, author, a, a a children's book author. Would you please welcome to the show Jordan J. Scavone? And Jordan, man, I'll tell you what we've we've known each other for uh, a couple of years almost now. Almost three. Almost three. Uh, you almost came, three. you know, in a very unconventional setting in the world of professional wrestling, and then we got to know each other pretty well. And you are doing something, sir, that I had I take a great interest in. Uh, you are a children's book author. Yes. That's something anybody who's who's known me for any length of time knows. I've kind of toyed around with that, but you are actually a published author. Currently, yeah, um, and, yeah. And, and I, want, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring you on here and kind of tell your story. You know, you you grew up in the Sterling <clears throat> Heights area. Yeah, so not too far from the Lake Orion area. I now live farther away. I'm over in the Novi-ish area. I don't okay. know how this hand thing works. I've never <laughs> really figured it out. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm local to Michigan. Um, I've literally been here forever. Um, I probably won't leave because moving is expensive. Sure. And uh, my mom would probably track me down and yell at me uh, for a long time. But yes, so I have um, four children's books currently available. Um, I am independently published. Amazon is my backer, basically. Sure. Um, I print through them, I distribute through them. Um, but I handle um, all the contracts and contacts with my illustrators, uh, with different editors, uh, and that sort of stuff. Okay. Now, at what, at, at, at what point did you think that this is something that you wanted to, to pursue? Because I, I look down here and this is actually the very first book that you wrote. How old were, were you when you did um, this? I was somewhere in the seven to nine range, I think. Um, judging by my handwriting, I could have wrote it yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, what's cool is that I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, every kid who writes a book either like on their own or in school, they staple it together sure. and... You know, um, and I thought it was, I remember it. Like, I remember doing it. Um, but I thought it was lost to time and, you know, my, it was with my dad. I know that. It was with my dad, and he moved a couple different times when we were, when I was younger. And I just kind of thought it was lost to time. And then we found it in his basement, um, honestly, right before my first book came out. So that was really cool. Um, 
It's terrible. I've read it to a group of three or, or third graders, and they told me about halfway through to stop. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I mean, from, <laughs> from such a young age to, I mean, if you go through the, through the pages on this thing, there is so much detail in it. <laughs> I mean, the, I assume that you drew this yourself. Uh, well, right? I, I stenciled it. You stenciled it. Yeah, okay. although I will let you know. It would be no better than if I did it yesterday. <laughs> well, I mean, you go through the story. You, you have a storyline written out. You have it illustrated. Very, very cool. Now, you obviously took this to the next level. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they they look a little different, don't they? <laughs> now, this was well, your first book, this, My E. Yes, this is my this is my debut. This is my baby. She's four now which is appropriate because so is the character in the book. Mm -hmm. So there's only a year that I can use that as a selling point. So at what point did you say, okay, I'm going to get serious about this, and what was the, the steps that you took to actually get from what was in your mind into a, a, a published book? Uh, so in my first year of undergraduate school at Eastern Michigan University, you have to take general electives for, to fill your gen ed spots, and one of them is a diversity credit. And I took multicultural children's literature because I was like, oh, well, A, I like books. And that was about it. Uh, so I took that and I was like, and the class load was, I mean, it was a lot because in college when you do a literature class, it's like read these 12 books in however many weeks a semester is. Um, but I really like, like the concept clicked with me. The picture books we looked at clicked with me. Um, the lack of diversity in books really clicked with me, which is weird because I'm a pale ginger. I'm not the most diverse person to begin <laughs> with. So the fact that I was reading these books and we were talking about the lack of diversity in it kind of made me frustrated that there wasn't there and that I, I think more that I never noticed because mm -hmm. I've read my whole life and my dad kind of makes fun of me that I would go to his house and I was in Sterling Heights, but my dad was in Allen Park, so the drives were long, sure. and I would read the whole way okay. instead of talk to it. <laughs> um, but after that class, I found out that you could study children's literature as your um, in your field, as your major, and I eventually went on to grad school also at EMU, and I got my master's in children's lit. But I was taking the graduate level of diversity texts, and I had an option to do a essay or a creative project, guess which one I chose? Obviously not the essay. Um, so <laughs> I did the creative project, and there's a version of this on my computer that I don't want to print out and show people because I did all the art for it. <laughs> it's not good. But I showed it to my professor, who at the time was the head of the department, and she said that, you know, this is actually... It's a really good story, you know, a little fine-tuning, uh, obviously better illustrations. Mm -hmm. um, I might be able to actually make a go of it. And it was at that point that, you know, someone who I looked up to uh, because of their position and because I had a whole class with them, and she's also on the board for a literary award that I don't qualify for. So, uh, but I, that level of, you know, maybe I can do this because this person who literally gives out national awards has said that there's some merit to it. Sure. And I think it was at that point where I was like, yeah, let's let's try it out. Um, and uh, true to form of the class, it's a diverse character. She's loosely inspired by a real girl um, who is one of my former students. I teach toddlers and infants. Okay. So she's like eight now, which baffles my brains because she was four when I met her. Right. Um, and 
at the core of the book is about social anxiety, overcoming your fear of being in public, doing things like this. Um, and she does that by becoming a superhero. Now, were you inspired yourself by superheroes? You know, because we know the what would become this huge explosion in in the yeah. DC universe, Marvel, the you know all all that. So, as a as a kid, were you inspired by the superhero genre? Yeah, and yes and no at the same time. What's weird is I I didn't really read comics as a kid. Um, once I kind of got past picture books, reading picture books, and moved on to like novels and mm -hmm. things like that. I think that kind of thing that got sent into me of, oh, picture books are for babies, um, comic books are for babies because they're pictures. Um, it took me a while internally to get past that. Mm -hmm. um, and now I've realized that actually if you read a lot of really good children's picture books, they're a lot better than full-length novels. Okay. <laughs> So from the success of my E, uh, we went to the Mud Princess. Yes, there she is. There's Ms. Georgia. Now, you talked it's a, a little, lot about the il the illustrations, yes. especially with with your first one, yeah. and then, then making the transition. Are these people that you know personally? Do you hire them? Because I mean, this is obviously a different yes. illustrator. Yes, than these are the two Mud separate Princess. illustrators. Uh, this is Caitlin Nepka. Nepka Notaro, she got married since this came out. Um, and she's got an adorable, tiny little one-year-old named Dante. Um, so clearly I keep in contact sure. with them. Um, and then this is illustrated by Monica. I'm covering this part of the book because right. of the stuff. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, Monica Guignard, who's actually from Canada, which is cool. So uh, first illustrator is New York, second one is Canada. Cool. Um, Caitlin and I met through a small publishing house that I did not stick with for very long. Um, there's a whole debacle we're not going to go into. Okay. Um, Monica and I met on Instagram. Oh. Uh, I was liking her art posts. She was liking my book posts. When I had the manuscript done for Mud Princess, I um, was looking just at different people I knew who did art and things like that. And I decided that after she actually did fan art of Mighty, that I wanted her to do this book. And I approached her and she was very gung-ho. Mm -hmm. I, I realize that with each book there is a specific theme. Mm -hmm. There's a point to it. Yeah. You know, with my E, you know, your social anxiety and how you overcome that by adopting this, this alternative per persona. Mm -hmm. Mud Princess go, you know, kind of tackles the anti-bullying Yeah, thing, so right? there's a the whole thing, I mean, is, it's this page I think really sums it up. It's uh, coy, you know, snooty princesses talking behind the mud princess's back. Well, she's just happy to be covered in mud and blah, 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 blah. Um, eventually, everyone gets invited to a birthday party. She shows up. They laugh her out of the party. And then the big ominous dragon in the background shows up. Mm. Very, very cool. My, we actually bought these two books for my kids, and they absolutely love them. You know, they they read them all the time. Your third book. Now, I would imagine that uh, a a girl named Adam. Now, with the subject of it, obviously. Uh, controversial. It, would it, you say it, more so than than your first two? You know, surprisingly. Only by a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
it is a more controversial text um, in terms of the current climate of the world. It is a transgender children's text um, written from the perspective of the um, not transitioning child. So your main character, um, Annie, is, uh, your two main characters are Addie and Annie. Annie is your um, main girl who is telling the story, it's from her perspective, and Addie is her friend who is starting to understand that they're ready to make this gigantic transition in life. And ultimately, as much as the book is looking at transgender identity and trying to make that something that kids can understand, because kids, honestly, kids get this more than adults do. Mm -hmm. um, it's just as much about that as it is about friendship. Have you had any kind of negative feedback that's something that really made you think, geez, maybe I shouldn't have done this? Or um, I almost pulled the book three days after it launched. Okay. Um, there was a hit back from a small portion of the LGBTQ community um, solely based on misunderstanding on my direction I was going with. Um, but the amount of support I got from the exact same community made me realize that the support I was getting, the good the book was doing, was worth more than the little bit of uh, animosity and negative I was getting in my life. Um, and I would honestly rather have people come yell at me than yell at a member of the LGBTQ community which already might you know, be on the fence about sure, something. Certainly. Now obviously that, you know, tackling that kind of, of subject Man, that takes a lot of courage, you know, and knowing you the way, you know, you you do your own thing, man, and that's one of the things, that one of your most admirable traits, I think. I see. You, and you, then, unlike the other two books, which are based on kids, I know this is loosely inspired by one of my best friends. Okay. Um, who I met before she started her public transition. Um, and just the difference in her, her personality. I mean, you, when she used to come over, it would be like, hey, do you want to do this thing? And she'd be like, yeah, I guess we could do that. Now it's like, hey, we should go do this thing, and she's talking to me. Right. So just, she's so much happier, she's so much more herself mm -hmm. than I had known her before. And it was kind of at that point where I'm like, I want to do something that can make people feel that way. It's pretty awesome. And, and I've had people, I've actually had people send me messages that they use this to come out to their parents. Is that right? Which is like... That's got to be fulfilling to the ninth degree, right? Yeah, my imposter syndrome's really strong when I get messages like that because I feel like I don't deserve that credit to be in that part of your life. I appreciate it, and I'm glad that it is doing what I had intended it to do, but I'm working through that anxiety myself. Right. So sometimes I wear my cape when I do events because it makes me feel better. Well... <laughs> Much like the, um, like my E, right? Yes, okay. yes. So tell me about Turtle Day. That was your fourth release? Yes, this is my new one. My turtle book. So turtles are my favorite animal. Um, I don't know how long I've liked turtles. I feel like I've always liked turtles. And then uh, over the past few years, I've like really just like re-fallen in love with them. I think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right, that was, I was going to ask, that. where does the Teenage Mutant um, Ninja Turtles fall into this? Hi, hi. <laughs> and the fact that the week that this book came out, um, it hit top 50 in its category on Amazon, 
um, which was alongside Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books, which was wow. just super cool. Yes. Um, so this book is uh, it's a little bit lighter than the, the previous one, but it still has a really strong emotional element to it that I don't think people were expecting when I put out about a book about adopting a sea turtle. Mm -hmm. um, so in my classroom last year, around when I started writing this, I found out that there's agencies that like do t sea turtle rehabilitation when they get hit by boats or stuck in nets and things like that, and you can adopt them. And because they're nonprofit agencies, it helps them keep going. So my classroom adopted a sea turtle which is what they're doing in the book. I see. We named it Lilac, so the turtle in this book's name is also Lilac. It's named after my classroom. Okay. Um, and at the end of the f first year in the book, so this book goes all the way from Noah being in first grade to Noah graduating college. Oh, wow. Which was a bit of a shock for his mom when she saw the concept art. <laughs> um, also based on a real kid. Okay. Um, and at the end of the first year, he is given the adoption certificate by his teacher because he was, he had loved the turtle the most. He had been the most interested and things like that. So it's through him following it. And every Friday is when the agency updates the location of the turtle. So that's Turtle Day. And one Friday, she doesn't check in. And then the next Friday, she doesn't check in. And the next Friday, she doesn't check in until I think it's a month or, a, it's a month or two months. I don't remember how many months go by. Um, and then it starts going really quick, and they find out you know they can't get in contact with the turtle, and then he ages all the way up to working with sea turtles. So it's as much about just having a general interest, but it really shows how kids can develop an interest early and carry that on into adulthood. Very cool. Whoa. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now you're kind of taking on a new project here that's kind of in the works. Yes. Um, it has been announced, so we can talk about okay. it. Um, this is the cover of my debut young adult novel. All right. Um, it's urban fantasy. Um, I'm super proud of this cover because I designed it. I mean, it was then professionally done, so it looks better, but the raw version I came up with. Um, and it is about a high school age wannabe fantasy author, and after stuff happens, magical stuff, um, her book characters start to come into her world. So you're getting this sword and shield magic kind of conflict, but in an urban setting. Very cool. And it's currently it's about it's around eighty thousand words, so it's a little bit more than the nine hundred words my children's books are, mm -hmm. uh, which was a challenge to get through. Um, but it's with an editor, and once the final round of edits are done, it should be out maybe as soon as February. So I would imagine that when you are writing a a children's book and then you make the transition to the young novel. I mean, do you have a different kind of frame of mind going into it, knowing that you have to get a little bit, well, a lot more specific, right? Yeah, um, so one of the things that I do whenever I, and I'm working on a new young adult novel as well, um, whenever I'm working on something longer, I make a playlist and each song is based on a character, more or less. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if this was a playlist, this would be that character's favorite song type gotcha. thing. Um, so I did that with this, so it's, I don't know, dozen plus playlist, uh, and then the new one actually has more because there's more characters in that. Whereas when I do children's books, I actually listen to heavy shred metal. It, of course you would. <laughs> it blocks everything out. I literally, I sit in my room, I put my noise-canceling studio headphones on, 
and I've actually I've had it where I've been writing and like my wife will come into the room, mm-hmm. do stuff for twenty minutes and leave, and I won't know. Because I'm just, I'm so... In the zone, I'm right? so s- central focused. And it's the only time I'm really ever central focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always kind of moving or I'm watching TV and playing video games at the same time or something like that. Right. Well, tell us, uh, tell, uh, tell our viewers uh, where they can find your books, where they can find you on, on social media to stay connected with, with your projects. Um, I can make it, it's super easy because my website is my name. Okay. It's jordanjscavone.com. I update it occasionally. <laughs> but it just got updated, so it's all fresh. Okay. Um, I also have a Facebook page. Um, it's Jordan J. Scavone, children's author, which might be getting a makeover um, in the name if they let me change it because uh, I don't want to have a children's author page and then a young adult author page and mm-hmm. have to manage multiple pages. Um, all the books are available on Amazon. It's actually really cool. If you Google my name, it pops up on the side in the books category. Just like, you know, whoever published from big-named publishing house. Um, so that's super cool. They're really easy to find. If you have Amazon Prime, free shipping. Okay. Uh, and the I perks. Perks. I will <laughs> be um, tabling at Motor City Comic Con this year, okay. um, which will be size-wise my largest event, so I'm a little anxious for it. But I should have all five books by then. Um, I usually do Sterling Fest and Sterling Heights, because it's kind of hometowny, mm-hmm. um, but uh, my baby's being born around that time, so I might not be there. <laughs> we'll see. Priorities, right? Yeah. Priorities. Um, or they'll just come with me, depending on when they arrive. Right. So they can sign the book too. We'll make that happen. Well, Jordan, you are just a, listen. All seriousness, take take all the wrestling stuff away. That you know, that's how we we got to know each other, right? Such an inspiration. You really are. I mean, you, you, I mean, you start with this, you wind up with that, and you're doing incredible things. And you are clearly making an, a positive impact in people's lives, it's, especially with, with the girl named Adam book and, you know, all that. And it, it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the debut episode of my show. So I thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. I'm proud of you. You have a show. No, I'm proud of you, brother. Also, I'm proud of me. I just accepted that compliment. <laughs> yeah. When this came out, could not have done it. Would not have happened. Well, Four books in. I can finally kind of accept compliments in person. You are uh, well on your way, sir. We can certainly say that. And uh, it's, you know, you are an absolute privilege, really. You are a pleasure to to be around. So thank you so much for for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Uh, Right now we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to hear an incredible story Going from rock bottom to the road to to redemption. Aaron Reeves is up next, right after this. ONTV invites you to take part in the 10th annual Five or Five Food Drive, benefiting Oxford Orion Fish Food Pantry. Swing by Owen TV studio to drop off $5 or five non-perishable food items to receive a raffle ticket good towards numerous prizes donated by local businesses. The more you drop off, the more tickets you earn. Then on February 8th, we go live from the Orient Center on local cable TV from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
with live entertainment and interviews. We'll tally up the donations and draw the winning raffle tickets at the end of the broadcast. Our goal on our 10th anniversary is 10,000 pounds of food. ONTV is looking for local businesses to act as a drop-off location or to donate raffle prizes. For more information, call 248-393-1060 or visit orionontv.org today. Welcome back to Klaus to the Heart Live on ONTV. We thank you so much for, for watching. I'm Jason Klaus, and uh, what a, what an awesome story that we just heard from Jordan Scavone. And uh, you start with a dream, and you keep working on it, and that's that's been a reoccurring theme for my YouTube show. And anybody who has covered or watched my show knows I'm I am very much into the underdog story and I've also if you believe in something and you're willing to willing to work hard for it virtually anything is possible but what happens when you hit rock bottom and for many of us rock bottom you know means a lot of different things for my next guest it was literally the absolute worst time in his life however through perseverance and through determination and finding the love of his life, he would start his road to, to redemption. So joining me right now is a, a friend of mine who has an incredible story. And the kind of the backstory here is, like Jordan, uh, my next guest, uh, he came to me. Well, we actually started working together at the at the GM plant in Flint and uh, eventually he came into the Michigan wrestling organization and through just an afternoon of talking he started telling me his backstory and I was just so blown away by what I was hearing I, I made him stop <laughs> you need I need to get you on camera in some way shape or form whether it was on the YouTube show or and we decided to step it up a bit doing this debut episode here on ONTV. I really wanted him to come on the air and share his story. So would you please welcome my next guest, Mr. Aaron Reeves. Aaron, welcome to the show. We appreciate you so much for, for being here. Thank you for having me. So you and I, we met at at, at the GM plant in Flint. About five, about five years ago. About five years ago. Uh, but you, we have a similar background. You grew up in the, in the Lapeer area. Yep. Yep, that's, that's where, where we came from as well. So give me a little bit of a backstory. You know, how did you grow up? Tell me about your siblings, mom and dad, your, your childhood. Uh, well, I was born in a family of, I'm youngest four. I have two sisters and one brother. Family's been married. My mom and dad have been married for about 30 years now. Huh. Um. Yeah, I mean, just a real basic, normal family, really. You know. Close-knit family? Uh, I mean, I'm real close to my sister, Amy. Mm -hmm. um, my sister, Beth, me and her are, you know, same person. And me and my brother, Adam, you know, we're just no bad blood or nothing. We just don't talk that much. Okay. So you 
you grew up in in the Lapeer area in Attica. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, now you went through high school at Lapeer. In Lapeer East. E Lapeer East. See, that's the problem. I was a West guy. I right. Um, sorry. No, it's, <laughs> West ain't even now, around anymore. Now, right now, it's all all one high school. Yep. But back in the day, there was a very heated rivalry between Lapeer East and Lapeer West, and. Uh, so that's kind of ironic, kind of the uh, the relationship that you and I have, you know. So, at when you were going through high school, I mean, did you have goals and dreams? It was it was there a dream job that you wanted to do? Was what did you want to be when you were growing up? You know, I wanted, like, when I grow up, I want to be this. I wanted to be a mortician. I a honest, what now? A mortician. Okay. I wanted to be a mortician, or I wanted to be in a band to play bass guitar. And uh -huh. Found did you out. have me, a musical experience? Yeah, did, did I, I mean, I had I had a bass guitar, you know, had a little garage band at mm -hmm. my family's house. Nothing really became of it. Uh, the mortician, uh, being a mortician, found out it's like 15 years of schooling, and high school was just barely, you know, doable for me. And then college, I'm like, forget that. So I had no plans. And then uh, I think it was probably my senior year of high school, over at the VOTAC, I was taking public safety and protective services, and I'm at uh, Staff Sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Gunnery Duggar, uh, Duggar, and uh, talked to him for a little bit, kind of caught my eye, but I really wanted to go in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy, and that was my goal. Well, failed the ASVAT for the Navy. The, uh, the recruiter told me, go get some books from the library. He'd help me out, called him, never heard nothing from him. Well, about six months later, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Dogger called me. He said, well, I seen you take the Navy ASVAP and you failed. How about you give the Marine Corps a chance? And I said, uh, I don't know about the Marine Corps. I really wanted the Navy. And I said, you know what, you're, you're coming to me, so I'll, I'll give you a shot. And sure enough, the next day he came out, picked me up, took me to dinner, helped me study. And three months later, I passed ASVAP for the Marine Corps. So the fact that this... This guy really took a, a personal in, interest in you to help you get through the studying and all that. Uh, so you go into the into the Marine Corps. This yep. was 2006? Yep, okay. October 6th of 2006 was my first day on depot. Okay, now um, where was your basic training? Uh, I'm not a military guy, so I'm not you know, really sure how, how, how the process works. Um, it was at uh, Camp Pendleton in San Diego. Okay. So I did my uh, school uh, boot camp at, which was normally three months, but going end uh, end of what's called second phase, into third phase, you do the Reaper, and it's a big, huge event. It's an all week thing. You do the Crucible, then you do the Reaper. It's a big, huge, giant mountain. You hike up with all your gear. You hike back down. You go to your barracks. You shower. You go to the barber and get what's called a high and tide, which is a Marine Corps haircut. Mm -hmm. You get to unbutton your blouse, you get to do your boots, you know, a real Marine does it, and you're looked at as a Marine now. Okay. Go back to the barracks after the Reaper, probably I got up to the second floor, we were on third floor, and uh, my tibia broke. My left tibia, it's the major weight-bearing bone in your leg. So my boot camp went from being three months to nine months. Wow. And I went during what was called the kill season, which is... October, November, December, and then I ended up going into 
MRP, which was uh, the medical rehabilitation platoon. And uh, I saw some uh, pretty rough stuff. Saw a kid try to kill himself, and it's not for everyone. Sure. And I, I do miss it. It's hands down. GM is pretty decently easy. It's a good job, but the Marine Corps was just easy. Once you got through boot camp and you did all the mental stuff, I mean, what I seen of it, I only was in for about three years. Um, it was, just, I, I loved it. I loved it when I was there, but when I was home with my, uh, with my mental problems, I, I didn't like it. But when I was there, I loved it. So you just described a little bit about the, the mental problems. Are we talking like anxiety or I mean, what, uh, what are I, you talking about here? I overthink everything. Mm -hmm. I, you know, everyone's seen them, you know, family members and friends, my Facebook posts, I get nervous about when I do wrestling live, when I do Pokemon tournaments, when I do anything that I'm passionate about, if I get nervous about it, it means I'm putting a lot of time and effort into it. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's uh, every time for drill in the morning, my routine was I'd get up, go to the bathroom, I'd wash my face, look in the mirror, and I'd instantly throw up because I would just constantly over think how does my haircut look, how does this look, how does my shave look, do I have all my white gear, and I just overthink everything. Probably, well, I would imagine because you want to make the absolute best impression, yes. right? Because, yes. I mean, working with you, both with the GM thing and with, with the MWO, you're very much, I, I've, I've seen that, you know, I've seen you get, you know, you, you almost, like you psych yourself out because you want to do the best, best job. I, so. I, that's part of the Marine Corps in me though, is they train you, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right and you're going to do it at 110%. And that's how I want to raise my sons. We're going to get to them in a little bit, but take me back to your time with the Marine Corps. So after I healed my tibia, I came home from a boot camp. You get 10 days leave mm -hmm. and got to see some family members and um, so that was good, and then I went to what's called School of Infantry, and that is another three months of every well. It, it was three months for me because I was playing infantry. My MOS was 0311 Infantry Rifleman, just plain infantry. Every Marine is, an, is a rifleman, so they go to one month of School of Infantry, where you're infantry, you go for three months. Mm -hmm. But when you go for three months, they let you have the weekends off, and you would have to shower, shave and be inspected to leave base by 7 p.m. If you were not out by 7, you could not go out for the weekend. Um, and that's where trouble came Things about. started to go downhill, yes. right? Yes. So this, is, this was the part of the story that you, you and I were talking about here that that's when I said you, you need to stop yeah. because this, this is something straight out of a movie but this is, in, in fact, your real life. Yes. So you get into a situation to where partying starts becoming a thing? Uh, well, we were all the Marines, because you had to go out in groups. Mm -hmm. And so the group I was with, all of us, we were all 19, 20-year-old guys. Mm -hmm. But we're Marines so out in L.A., very proud to have the Marines. You know, the bases are there, and that's their hometown and everything. And... Uh, so it's very easy to find someone, hey, you know, we're underage, you want to buy us liquor. So we were walking around L.A. talking very loudly, trying to get someone to help us out. And a older gentleman did, 
come to find out he just came to the States from the Dominican Republic Army. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, I'll buy you what you guys want, just let me party with you. So put the room on my name and uh, comes out of the party store. Did you say room, like a hotel oh, yep, room? Yep, I paid with the hotel room, my uh, debit card, and uh, so then we go up to the party store. He, we give him a list, he gets us everything we want, go back to the room, and we start partying. I'm, uh, when I party, I like to drink Jägermeister, and uh, there was a lot being passed around, and the guy goes to the bathroom, he comes back out, and he had a bag full of pot. He says, well, you know, who would like to smoke pot? And I was being the um, person that uh, outranking Marine out of all of them. I was kind of in charge of everyone. I said, hey guys, you know, let's think about this before we do this because the Marine Corps has a zero tolerance policy sure. on drugs. Sure. I said, we get caught, we're done. We're, we're brand new. We're not, you know, I've been in a year. Some of you guys haven't been in for a year yet. We're done. Let's not do this. A couple shots later, we're all smoking pot. Well, to kind of turn into repeat, the guy goes into the bathroom. This time he comes back out with the back of the toilet seat and a bag of Coke. And the last thing I remember was saying, let's not do Coke. I wake up the next morning and this room that I have paid for is destroyed. TVs on the floor, big footprint through it, door from the bathroom. It was a mess. Everything was broken. I had to pay for it all. But um, Samson was his name, was the guy I was paired up with. And uh, I asked him what the hell happened. And sorry for the language. And uh, he goes, you don't remember? And I said, no, I don't. And uh, he broke out his cell phone. And there's a video of me combing the carpet. And that is when all oh, the coke is gone. Got one guy who will lick his finger, drop it across the floor, lick it again. And the video was about 45 minutes long. Oh. And I discovered every weekend that was, that was my relaxed time. That became your, yeah. your go-to. Okay. Yes, and uh, it slowly started consuming it. And uh, never, no one caught on for, started about February. Uh, what would that be, 2007? Okay. I want to say when it was. But somebody did catch on. No. No, no. one caught on until 2009. It was actually February again in 2009, very beginning. Um, I'm now in my unit in Michigan on Douglas Street out in Saginaw. Um, I was in the reservists, and we got a new uh, captain on deck, and he wants the company drug tested. Our company, I guess, hasn't been drug tested at that time about... 10 years so it was a kind of a big thing sure and uh, I mean about nine other Marines we all pop dirty and with the being zero tolerance that is, is effectively was, ended your it was um, we did a drug test in January February we come back we are going to uh, Grayling for our winter training and uh, company officer comes out and uh, pulls us out of formation and we go to his office and pulls us in one at a time and I was first and he's two big stacks of paper and on, uh, he goes, uh, 
I was almost corporal. And he goes, Lance Corporal Reeves, you know what the stacked paper is? I said, no, sir. And he goes, this is your de uh, deployment papers for Okinawa, Japan. Picks up these papers, shreds them. And he goes, do you know what these papers are? And I said, no, sir. And he goes, these are your discharge papers. As of right now, you are being discharged from the United States Marine Corps for substance abuse. Wow. And at this time, February of 09 was like you said, rock bottom for me. My grandmother died. She fell down some stairs and she didn't catch herself and took the whole blunt to the face. That, that was rough. I uh, got busted shoplifting. Uh, the girl I thought, before I met my wife, Desiree, the girl I thought I was gonna marry, me and her go our separate ways and then the Marine Corps mm -hmm. threw me out. So that, by 2000, February 29, um, my goal was to be dead at 28 from a drug overdose. I am now 32, and uh, I don't like my birthday because, like I said, uh, goals are my thing, and uh, that's the only goal I've never set in my life. So it's rough, but uh, just that time I didn't care. But then Desiree comes in the picture, right? The woman who, who would become your wife Well, later uh, on down the line. Yep. Well, by, I want to say, around October, I was living in Lapeer with some friends in their basement, you know, just literally just looking for couch to couch, who's got the next party, where's my next high. Mm -hmm. That's all I cared about. Um, living with two friends, sleeping in their basement. We were working on getting a house together. I just got done working at a haunted house on the weekends, so put together my whole paycheck they gave me for the season to this house. November 1st, I remember, because a new Call of Duty game came out. I stayed up all night playing that the night before, but my roommate, she came downstairs and she was crying. And I asked her, what's wrong? She goes, well, you need to get your stuff and you need to get out today. We are getting sued. We've lost this apartment. I don't know where I'm going. She has a son at the time who was only like one. And uh, her and her now ex-husband they didn't know where they were going, so they said, you need to find somewhere. So I called pretty much what I call always, he's my guardian angel, and that would be my uh, brother-in-law, Dean, and my sister, Amy. I called them, and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I said, uh, can I come stay with you for a couple nights just to figure out where am I going? And couple months well a couple nights turned into a couple months and we were he did at the time he was doing uh, fixing workout equipment for snap fitness he ran his own business I was going with him we're going to a job and he looks at me and he goes are you gonna ask or are we just not gonna talk about him I said ask what he goes to move in with me and your sister I said well I didn't really think about it but if that's what you know we want you know what what you guys want you know, I like it. And he goes, well, there's going to be some changes and we're going to make some rules. And um, literally the next day I woke up to a contract of this is what you're doing. We're going to get you a car. You're going to get a driver's license. You're going to get a job. No drugs. No this. And they started me to the road to recovery. But you want to, you got to want to recover. Right. And at that point, I was like, either way, in the back of my mind, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I was still set on that goal of 28. Didn't, didn't care. 
it was awesome. They were helping me. And then uh, sitting down in their basement one night, just browsing uh, MySpace and saw this uh, just a little cute little emo girl from Davison. And I'm like, you know, I, I, live in Dave I live in Grand Blank. She lives in Davison, not too far. And I sent her this really cheesy, god-awful message. And, uh, and she replied. And I mean, her name was Desiree. I mean, her started talking for a couple months. And then December, we finally met of 06. And uh, I didn't know that was going to be my uh, soulmate and my wife. Went and saw a horrible Tommy McGuire movie. And just from there, was just, we hit it off. Well, it was a Tobey Maguire movie. So the fact that she came back after <laughs> that, <laughs> after that, listen, um, your story has really two parts. You know, the part that, that, that you just talked about, and the other part is when Desiree comes in the picture, and you guys now have have two boys. Yes. And uh, just the cutest kids there there ever was. And uh, I want to spend more time talking about that that aspect of, of your story, but the fact that you are where you are now, the fact that you're even sitting here with me right now, is a testament, my friend, to a lot of things happening at once that literally, from what I can tell, really saved your life, right? Because, yes. you know, you kind of set this goal that you were going to be dead at 28 with with nothing, right? And now here you are, you're 32, yep. married, two kids, yep. a good job, and friends who love and support you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's I've never had a relapse on coke, and that is my biggest fear is one day that I will have a relapse on it. Mm -hmm. I went to a party with a friend from GM. Um, everyone went outside to smoke cigarettes, and uh, besides me and his brother, mm -hmm. we're playing beer pong, and uh, I don't even know his brother's name. But uh, I was sitting there, and it was my time to shoot, uh, to throw the ball. And he looked at me, and he goes, do you do drugs? I said, uh, not really. And uh, he goes, you want to do coke? Instantly, my top of my head got real hot. My mouth started watering. My hands started sweating. And uh, by this time, my uh, wife walked in. And I said, uh, I looked at her, and I said, you know what, babe? I'm, I'm ready to go home. You know, I, I went in early today. I'm just, I'm, I'm just ready to go. Mm-hmm. So we get to the car, and she looks at me, and she goes, what happened in there? You didn't go in early. What happened? And I looked at her, and I said, I was offered Coke. And uh, I, I know if I ever did it again, it would consume me, and I would just be in that dark place again, and I don't want to go there. And I had to get out, and I'm, I know I made that right decision to get out of that situation. Absolutely, especially at this point to where you have a lot more going for you now than you did, did back Oh yeah. During the the previous, we'll we'll call it the 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 previous uh, chapter in your life, yeah. right? You yep. know, I look at your story, Aaron, and and I, you know, I can easily break it up into two segments. You know, before Desiree, after Desiree. You know, and obviously, your family offering you to come live with them with the contract, probably the the best thing that could have happened for you, right? Yes. At, 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 yes. Because there was, I because when I hear you talk, I hear a common theme, and that is structure. When you have structure, you seem to have your 
your ducks in a row, for yes. for lack of better yes. terms. You get off of that, that's where, you know, mm. the temptations can start becoming a little bit stronger and things of this nature, I, right? I am a, I like to complete things. Like when Mean Desert clean the house, she will make me a list. She can't just be like, hey, go do this, go do this, go do this. She literally has to write me out a list and then I sit there and I go, okay, this is done, this is done, this is done. I'm good for the day. Right. But that's how it was in the Marine Corps. Hey, you got this many weapons, take to the range, clean them, put them away. Then you're done for the day. That's how, that's just how I work. Mm -hmm. You know, GM, I know, hey, from three to 11, I got to build trucks. This is our certain number we got to have. Let's do it, you know, right. let's do it. I'm, I'm very goal oriented. Like how I, my main way I got off drugs, off Coke was uh, my Pokemon card collection. The girl I was seeing, she said, hey, you're shoplifting Pokemon cards, you're buying a whole bunch of them, plus you're doing coke. Something's got to give here. Sure. You, you're going you're gonna to go out. And I looked at it, do I want to have white shit up my nose, white stuff up my nose? Or do I want to have something I can show off? Mm -hmm. And so. Well, there's a second part of the story, like we said, you know, with Desiree, you've got your boys. Yes. And now with your younger, with, with Isaac. Yes. Um, there's a new set of challenges that I would imagine would be at the forefront of how you conduct your life, yes. your everyday thing. Yes. Um, special needs, right? Yes. Uh, cere cerebral palsy? Yes, he okay. was born with cerebral palsy. Now, that that part of the story, I want to dedicate more time because we're, we're getting a little bit low, low on time with with this week's episode, but I want to bring you back on, and I want to bring bring your wife on, and you know if, if she's it's, up. To yeah, it, I don't. Know. I don't know. Um, but definitely, I want to get you back on here, and I want to talk about what's happening now with you. You know, and the challenges of raising a child with special needs. Just, I, his 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 boy Isaac is absolutely a one of the su sweetest kids I have ever met. And if we can get him on here, that would be fantastic. He would love it. So I want to bring you back next month. Okay. You, you cool with that? Yep, All yes right. sir. Awesome. We have a couple of more more minutes here on, on this week's show. And, and before we wrap things up, I want to thank Aaron and Jordan for, for coming on. We're going to bring Aaron back in um, next month, assuming that uh, we're able to, to do this next month. But one of the things that I do on my show and YouTube, I try to have a theme. And obviously with this, with this debut episode, you know, live on, on ONTV, I really wanted to, to focus on setting a goal and working towards it and sometimes when you don't realize what that goal is I mean you know you want to do something but you're not sure how to get there with Jordan obviously he knew at a very early age he wanted to make children's books he hand hand drew and wrote his his very first book and now he's got four books published you know that is working on that goal and I would imagine you know, I've kind of looked into that myself. I had my own aspirations of being a published book author and, you know, it was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock to the point to where I got frustrated with it and set it off to, to the back burner. Jordan, on the other hand, is the epitome of if you are willing to work for it and stick to it, your dreams can come true. With Aaron's 
story, obviously the complete opposite end of, of the proverbial spectrum. A guy who wasn't re really sure where he was going to go in life, was on a path, and obviously through a, a series of other situations where he thought he may want to go, just was not in the cards. And sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to realize just how special and important life is. Because we only get one shot at life, right? And if you are on in the mindset that you don't value that life as as was the case with Aaron during a portion, a good portion of his life, you know, it takes it it takes something remarkable to get you back on that path. For him, it was the love and the support of his family, and then eventually the love and support of his who would become his wife. Now, every one of us, you know, through every day, we 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 come across different challenges and roadblocks, and it's really easy to just throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, to hell with it, and it's too hard, and I'm going to go find something else to do. But if it's something that is really important to you, and it's something that you are really willing to put in the, the time and the effort, when you get to that goal, when you get to that finish line, it will mean that much more to you. It may not take an ideal ride, ride to get to that point. Sometimes it will take you to, to different detours. But eventually, if you do stick to it and you do believe in yourself, anything is possible. I, you can do anything that you want as long as you're willing to work for it and put your mind to it. With that being said, I want, I want to take these last few minutes and to thank, um, obviously, my, my guest this week, but I want to thank the incredible staff here at ONTV for allowing us this new endeavor. Obviously, you know, I've been doing the YouTube page for, for several months, kind of made the transition to a live stage show, and now... We are doing this this talk show type of format, and yeah, this this episode may be a little bit rough. The transitions may not be as smooth as they could be, but we will work on that. But none of this would be possible without Joe Johnson and the incredible staff here at ONTV. They have welcomed us into their studios for years under the banner of the Michigan Wrestling Organization. And the chaos and craziness that goes with a professional wrestling show, especially a live broadcast that, that we do in here for, from time to time. But for me personally, for this endeavor, this is a dream come true for me. And without Joe and his support and, and the support of ONTV, more importantly, just as important, I guess I should say, is the support of you, the, the viewers who have subscribed to the YouTube show, who came out to, to the stage show in Frankenmuth, who are tuning in here tonight, either live or on demand. Thank you so very much, because without your support, I would not be able to live out my dream. And then, you know, when you talk about su support for me and for a lot of you, it, it revolves around family. And uh, I have an incredible family, and without them, 
you know, I don't know where I, where I would be, much like, you know, with, with Aaron. But that's a, that's a, that is a story for another time. So with that being said, we thank you so much for watching this debut episode of Close to the Heart Live on ONTV. If you dug what you saw here tonight and you haven't done so already, check me out on YouTube. Just search for Klaus to the Heart. Hit the subscribe button and you will get notified every time a new episode drops. Usually we try to do one once a week. So with that, we thank you so much for watching and we will see you next time right here live on ONTV.